Hello, Jeremy. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Loud and clear. All right. Perfect. Perfect. So, firstly, Jeremy, I want to start by thanking you for being here. I've been following Satoshi's journal for a long time. I have the pleasure of collaborating with you in a couple in a couple of interesting things that I'm sure we're going to touch on during this conversation. Mem if members of the audience want to participate and ask questions or request the microphone to to join, that would be great as well. And I think the best way to begin for us, Jeremy, would be if you can give us a little bit of your background and how you got into Bitcoin. Yeah, sure. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So my professional background is I'm a civil engineer, and I also worked as an agricultural engineer. Currently, I'm a project manager. I do a bunch of projects in all aspects in construction. So that's my background as far as education and professional. I got into Bitcoin Really what helped me get into Bitcoin was gold and silver and real estate. I was in all of those things. I learned real estate from my in-laws. They had rental properties and they taught me the ropes on buying houses and flipping them and fixing them and <clears throat> having them for long-term uh, store of value and uh, cash flow. So I spent probably a little over 10 years studying real estate and trying to master it because at that point it was my way for achieving financial freedom and getting rid of my w-2 job then i learned <clears throat> i started so i stored stored a lot of my value in real estate and then got into gold and silver i studied gold and silver and monetary history for a long time too probably over 10 years and Having those three things in my background helped me understand Bitcoin, but I still took me a little while to be confident that it was not what it was perceived as basically a scam and all this other stuff that's false. But it did help to know what sound money was and monetary history was and what a store of value was before I got into Bitcoin because Bitcoin is the best of, of that world. My first touch point in Bitcoin was 2015. I heard about it on a Yahoo web Yahoo article in which it was talking about it being used on the dark web for illicit activity. And that's really what kind of shut it down. And then back in November of 2020 is when I got into Bitcoin. And I haven't looked back since. So that is how I got into Bitcoin. I, I, I kind of feel that I've been a Bitcoiner all my life. <laughs> but because I, I always have believed in sound money and the importance of people learning what money is, the importance of somebody saving their time, at least the time they give at work in, in money that is not going to be inflated away. So that's the, the quick story there, Tomas. Yes, yes, perfect. It's, it's interesting that Our last guest, Matthew Black, he also said that he first got started through studying gold and silver and sound money. It seems that, that the people that have been studying that for 
before Bitcoin came along, it seemed that it, they had less trouble wrapping their minds around Bitcoin, right? Yeah, I think it, it definitely helps. It's like with anything, <clears throat> if you've been studying something for a long time, you're going to be uh, more apt to go full full into it, just dive in 100%. And that's basically where I'm at now is, is I save i've never saved more in my life actually my, my mom taught me to save for a rainy day and have dollars for like something in case i needed it and when i got into bitcoin i became a super saver i've always been a saver so i think most bitcoiners are super savers because we're, we're thinking of the future we're not just thinking of now we're thinking of at least for myself and i, I believe many bitcoiners believe the same thing i've been bitcoin for generational wealth i'm in it for the freedom i'm in it for changing the world i'm in it for educating people but this is not a one two uh year deal for me this is hundreds and hundreds of years yeah it's it's so interesting that you describe it that way you know one one of the things that tends to differentiate the people that are in bitcoin and the people that are into different ecosystems seem to be the what is usually called as the time preference, right? The fact that yeah. yeah, people in Bitcoin tend to think more, a lot more years ahead than just a couple. Yes, that's right. Yes, okay. So you heard of first of Bitcoin in 2015 and you had it associated with illicit activities which made you not go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole then but you did so a few years later. Can you tell me about more about that, that, that moment when you decided that working on Bitcoin was what you wanted to do? Yeah. So prior to getting into Bitcoin, I had an educational website to teach people about early retirement by basically accruing real estate. And I taught people about money. I had a blog, personal blog, two years. I would just get in there every once in a while and put an article. I, I was very passionate about teaching people about money. I've always been passionate about learning about money. And I've always wondered to myself, we work for money every day, but we don't know what the hell money is. And so the other thing that I've always wondered is why we don't talk about money and why money is considered taboo. And I've come to the conclusion that the biggest reason why we don't talk about money and the reason why it's taboo is because people are ashamed to talk about it because it has ruined people's lives in the form of moms and dads, grandparents, uncles, aunts having to work their butts off and they feel like they're not getting anywhere and they have to provide for their children and yet they're, they're taking one step forward and 10 steps back, so to speak, by working their butts off and earning an inflated currency. So that's actually the main reason why I started trying to teach people about money through my blog. I don't have the blog anymore, but when I found Bitcoin and I realized what it truly was, and it, it basically was what I was teaching people about, but not the fiat version, it changed my life and it made me want to be even a greater educator than I was. I'm learning about Bitcoin and I'm learning about money every day. So anyone that says they understand Bitcoin or understand money 
or understand my entire history, it, it, I don't believe it because it's you have to basically study it every day for you to master it. And that's actually what got me into starting Satoshi's Journal. That's actually part of it. I used to write for Bitcoin Magazine. Not that I would not write for them again, but I wrote about eight articles for them. And I just thought to myself, there were some, there were some things I didn't like that they did that, that I thought I could do on my own. And so the, the one thing that I didn't like was having to have a minimum amount of words for your article. Also, there were some articles I submitted that they didn't want because they didn't meet their criteria, whatever that means. <laughs> and so, and then I didn't like having my articles censored. I remember getting one article and I was super pissed because I sent it in and the resulting article after being edited was night and day between what I had sent and what I received. So that those are the three things. Oh, and then the other thing is I didn't want to get paid, but it would be cool if, if writers got paid. So those are the four things that I thought I could do. And I created Satoshi's Journal. My passion is to write. And so Satoshi's Journal is basically the best version that I could provide media and publishing company to help people that like to write publish their articles without any censorship and i i accept all bitcoin only content whether it's fictional or non-fictional matter of fact i like the fictional stuff a little bit better because it's fun so people that like to write and have a, a fantastical mind and like to write fictional articles about bitcoin i love those articles but i also wanted to hear people's bitcoin stories so we have many, many Bitcoin stories that have been published with us from all over the world. And for those that like to write, they have told us through their articles how Bitcoin has changed their lives and how they got into Bitcoin. And very moving articles. I mean, I remember the first article submitted to us from Zimbabwe. The person that submitted it was telling us their story about they were on the brink of not being able to put bread on their table because the Zimbabwean currency had got hyperinflated. So it, it basically, they would be putting less bread on their table than they could the previous month. So Bitcoin literally saved them in the form of putting food on their table. So like these things, I think these are the stories that need to be heard because more often than not in Bitcoin, most everybody, not Bitcoiners, but some Bitcoiners talk about just the number go up aspect of it and not the fact that it's literally putting food on people's table or saving people's lives um, and, and preventing them from going down financial ruin, so to speak. Um, so that's how I got into Satoshi's Journal. Um, and I love it. I keep on writing as much as possible. Um, and we used to pay our contributors but now we have a tipping feature. So if you go on SatoshiJournal.com and you want to contribute an article, you can contribute it and then we'll put your lightning address with your profile and then you get tipped. So that's the way that we're trying to incentivize writers. Well, that, that is very interesting. You just set up a lot of things that we could take this conversation in different directions. Yeah, firstly, we I've, I've also heard 
some complaints about other writers that were not entirely happy on how Bitcoin Magazine made their decisions and their edits on their content. So personally, I think it's great that you decided that you could do it better and you could create your your own version or at least provide another avenue for writers to get their stuff published. I think I think that's great, especially if we're talking about the centralized movement, you know, having different places for writers to publish their content. I think that only makes the ecosystem stronger. So I I really it really resonates with me that when you find the roadblock, you use that as inspirations to build something for yourself instead of what most people would do would just be complaining online. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and also what you were saying about the, the people from Zimbabwe. We we just interviewed Alejandria the Great a few weeks back and what was going on over there it's it's just terrible. And like you said, I think most people are not aware and most people in the Bitcoin space tend to not talk about those areas where the fiat system is doing its worst. And I think that's where Bitcoin could do the most good, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely the stories of people all over the world and what Bitcoin is doing for them on a personal are, are more important to me anyways, because the mainstream media outlets and their perception of Bitcoin and how they talk about Bitcoin is the same thing over and over and over, and it's false a lot of times. But in reality, when a family in one of these countries that's undergoing hyperinflation is telling their story on Twitter or on a publication or in any form or fashion about how Bitcoin <clears throat> saved them, that's more impactful in helping the general populace understand why Bitcoin is, is a freedom technology. It's not just money. So when you have these stories out there, I always tell people, <clears throat> like all the Bitcoin-only companies, try your best to retweet their content because the more retweeting of the content, or I don't even know how you say it these days, reposting of their content, like it, it's important that we promote one each other. Promote is probably the wrong word. Is is lift up each other and 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 like support each other. That's what I'm trying to say. It's kind of like, I don't know if you guys have, well, everywhere has beer pubs, but here in our area, we have a bunch of, of craft room breweries. And every brewery is supportive of all the other breweries. So if there is a nearby brewery and this brewery knows about it and they say, hey, you should go to that brewery. They have this beer or that beer, whatever. It's just cool that they have this network of people like-minded people that do what they do and what they love and they promote each other. And that's what I feel the Bitcoin community is all about is we promote each other. We make each one another stronger. We argue with each other, but we argue with each other to make us stronger. We're always trying to still man and straw man Bitcoin. And we're iron sharp sharpens iron. And that's what Bitcoiners are all about. So, I recommend that people do their best to support Bitcoin only education and content and companies to the best ability because all those 
entities are doing their best to educate people about Bitcoin in their former fashion. Yes, yes, no, one, 100%. And we, we often uh, fail to realize that the, the small acts that we do to show support actually will go a long way, especially when a lot of people do them. And it's it's often very very easy to to not do something because you think it's not going to have that much of a big impact, but the the aggregate of all the small actions is what ends up having the most significant impact at the end, right? Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. So I I actually had the ability or the privilege of having some of my content posted on Satoshi's journal. And I recommend anyone that is listening to this that has some sort of writing talent or passion or whatever you want to call it to, again, in spirit of supporting Bitcoin projects and Bitcoin companies to try and publish something on Satoshi's journal. I think, again, you're providing an outlet that is very needed. A lot of voices that can't find a place anywhere else are finding a home in Satoshi's journal. And it's starting to become a conglomerate of really good information and empowering voices in the space that I think that very, very much they need that place to live. So I wanted to ask, in how, how has been the experience of starting this, running it? How did you first got the, the first people to start giving you their, their writing and how, how did that came about? It was pretty much very organic. Once we started to post on Satoshi's Journal's Twitter handle about people basically incentivizing people to write about their Bitcoin story or about Bitcoin content and then pay, paying them with Satoshi's, that was one of the biggest things that I think uh, intrigued or piqued people's interest is it wasn't like other publishing companies were offering sats to people to write their articles at the time. And so that was actually the other, the onus behind trying to incentivize people to write with uh, payment in Bitcoin is to maybe invigorate other companies to do it. But it was not easy by any means. I mean, building a team and uh, trust amongst a team and doing things, it's not like you're making a bunch of money when you do these companies, especially when you start off. So most of the, well, all the funding was is, was for me. And and I was trying to be cognizant of what I spent and how I spent it. And, and But with when you build an internet company, it's not as expensive as if you were to build a brick and mortar company. So the overhead mostly is just your website, maintenance of your your link your website url and then of course you'll need some kinds of software like scheduling software is as much as as we tried we try to get free software because most everything that you can you can access for free these days and then the the team i had i have a very good team and the probably the biggest challenge was probably biting off too much than i could chew so to speak so we embarked on building a school in Nigeria and we were building it and we had about three, four months of construction and I found out some really, really bad news. And I, I know that we're going to talk about this here in a bit because 
you had mentioned about talking about one of the biggest challenges and my biggest challenge was basically having to shut down a village, a school that we were building because of misuse of fundings by my partner. And uh, I tell you that's, that was the worst time of my life, literally. So ha having a company and having a team is, is, is a big responsibility. But when you lose trust within the team from one team member, it will wreak havoc on your company. And so that's the biggest challenge that I had to face in retention of my team members. And it was a huge blow. It's like <laughs> you're building something and all of a sudden it's like a bomb goes off. And so building the company and getting people to write for us was not a big challenge in comparison to what happened thereafter. And I mean, we, in a, in the most graceful fashion that I could muster, we pivoted, but it's, it, it's, it was a very life-changing moment for my team, myself, and I don't wish it upon anybody. But but the goal is still the same relative to promoting Bitcoin-only content, being as best of educators we can. My passion to write about Bitcoin and educate people about Bitcoin is unwavering. And that's what keeps me going forward. The more people we educate, the more people will uh, adopt Bitcoin and the more people that will become free from the fiat mindset. So... Like I said, I, I've always just wanted to help people. I just, that's just my modus operandi. And all Bitcoiners, I, I feel, have that same goal to help people. And, and so those are the people I want to be amongst in, in building this new world, so to speak. We're already building a new world together as educators, content providers, uh, Bitcoin businesses. And so everyone that I know on Twitter, uh, unbeknownst to, to themselves, <clears throat> they're my friends, and I, I just love hanging out with them on Twitter. I got to meet some at conferences, but if we're building this world, this new bright orange future, as Simply Bitcoin puts it, uh, I want to build it with people um, that I hang out with on Twitter because we all have the same goals in my mind. Wow. Well, first... Thank you. Thank you for that very, very honest answer. I, I can't imagine what it must have been like to be involved in such such a big project. And again, I can tell by the way you speak that your your intention is very behind everything you're, you're doing. So having to be in that situation it must have not been easy. So first, I just want to say thank you for the being open. And that I am very grateful that you were able to maneuver that situation and continue with all your efforts and that this was not something that that put a stop to your efforts. I don't know how much you want to go into that or if it's not a topic that you want to go deeper, we can talk about something else if you prefer. Almost everything that had to be said was said. I, it's all public information, but but the one thing I do want to say, and I emphasize this, and it, it since since it was a life changing moment, the 
saying that all Bitcoiners live by is a verify don't trust. And for me, I'm, I'm a very trusting person. I always have been, but I'm not just going to trust anybody. Like, I mean, I say this just because it's important that we verify and don't trust everybody on Twitter. I don't care who it is. Verify, don't trust me. I say that because the the biggest mistake I made and the reason why the village, the, the school that we're building in Nigeria didn't happen was because I trusted a little bit too much. Now, I did whatever I could in my power to verify, but to verify a person in another country is hard. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> I, I scoured to and fro on the Internet, finding information on on these people and and so i just want to leave everybody with a, an adamant verify don't trust and verify again and, and that's what's cool about bitcoiners is bitcoiners will sniff out any little skunk so to speak <laughs> if it spells like a skunk and it walks like a skunk then it's probably a skunk and and that's what i really commend a lot of bitcoiners for some do it a little bit more toxic than others, but I don't really, I'm not, I'm not a toxic Bitcoiner. <laughs> I try to just diplomatically and in a even killed manner, tell people that I don't agree with what they're doing or I just verify. Um, but, but now I verify more than I ever verified it because what happened to me and my team it was the worst time of my life, as I said, and I don't wish it upon anyone. So, but yeah, we will continue to build and build in the form of education. So if you go to satoshijournal.com, you can find, we have quizzes on there, Bitcoin quizzes. We have a quick five minute read on what Bitcoin is, what the history of money is. I just was on there now and it looks like I have a, I'm getting an error on my article. So I'm sorry. I'm going to have to check to see what's going on. But uh, yeah, we're, we'll do what we can. Oh, and then we're going to talk about this here in a little bit. But I have a three-year-old son, and he's also one of the biggest inspirations behind me wanting to teach people about money and Bitcoin, but also to save in Bitcoin for him and his offspring, if he's so inclined to have some. I think it's important that parents teach their children about Bitcoin from day one. And so I was inspired by a company called Shamry. If you guys haven't heard of Shamory, S-H-A-M-O-R-Y.com. They they have two children's book. They're a Bitcoin education company. I got to meet their the couple at the Pacific Bitcoin Conference. Really nice people. And I was reading my son a uh, children's book of theirs when he was probably one and a half or two. And I know he couldn't understand it, but the the beauty about children's books is children of that age are looking at the pictures and they're unbeknownst themselves being orange pilled and so from the time he was about one and a half till now he's always seen the bitcoin symbol and bitcoin is associated with money and so i really believe that in his time he's not going to know anything other than bitcoin when, when it comes to money and what what really money is so i i think that it's important to teach your children about money because growing up I wasn't taught about money, not not because my parents didn't want to teach me about money, but 
it's just not what parents really do except for the notions of saving for a rainy day, how to add and subtract pennies and nickels and dollars. But in our education system, it's even worse. I wasn't taught about money. And so it's my goal to teach my son and as many kids and parents as possible about money because the person you end up being is a function of your upbringing. So from day one, if you're taught about money, when you get out into the real world, you at least know what money is instead of the, the general populace not knowing what money is. So I think Bitcoin is actually going to change education about money in a revolutionary manner because people will start talking more openly about money. And the game theory of Bitcoin is such that <laughs> Satoshi Nakamoto did some amazing things with the protocol. But the biggest thing is, I'm not advocating this, but the number go up technology, it just so happens it, it feeds the greed of humans. And so he, she, or they that designed the protocol, they knew that basically greed is in everywhere in the world. And so if you have a limited amount of money and you disperse it into the world, it just so happens because of supply and demand, the money value is going to go up, the price and the value, and people are going to see it and it's going to entice them and their greed is going to get them into Bitcoin. So that's going to, I think, more often than not be the orange peeling moment for most people. But it's still important that we educate as much as possible about everything on Bitcoin outside of the number go up technology aspect. Yes, I agree. I think that that is very, very important. And it's so interesting that Satoshi decided to make this uh, number go up such an important feature of Bitcoin, which in a way, to me, it's it's one of those things that it makes it so that people can argue against Bitcoin all day long. But if on the long run, it continues to go up in value, at some point, people stop listening to those people that are constantly criticizing it because reality is showing you something different. In that way, price is very important because it serves that function of showing people that what you're being told is not necessarily so. And we can argue and we can complain against each other all day long, but the number the, the numbers don't lie. And the numbers are there and they're transparent. And that's something that no rhetoric can fight against. I was having a, a spaces recently with someone from Mexico, and he was saying something very similar to what you were saying before about how he was using Bitcoin to teach his son about money from very, very early. I am hoping that this opens a new a new avenue for all of us to teach our children about money from a younger age. Like myself, I had to learn after I finished school by myself through trial and error. And it, it is very disheartening that our current system does such a, a poor job in teaching people about money when it's, money is such an important thing and it's a part of everyday life. Pretty much most of our interactions with one another uh, are mediated through the tool of money, right? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So the, the, the earlier that a kid can be taught about money, even so like the beauty about children's books is uh, like with the Shamari books and then with the book that we did is putting 
pictures in those children's books that will resonate with the little child. So a little child doesn't know any better. They're just looking at pretty pictures and pretty colors. And But if you can put little happy monsters or uh, little happy wizards or little happy people and then a Bitcoin symbol, as, as soon as the little kid associates happy people with Bitcoin, that goes a long ways. They're learning. And, and like my little son, when he first read his first few Bitcoin books, or I read them to him, they got to the point where he learned his his ABCs, his colors. So like that, those are the things that little kids gravitate to in, in these children's books when they're between one and probably three are the colors. If you can put little things in the book that that relate with them, like a ball, like a little picture of a ball or a picture of a, a bat, little kid things they can start learning their first words by pointing at the green bat, so to speak, or pointing at the the red ball. So they're learning their colors. They're learning what simple words uh, are associated with those items. Then they're learning their numbers, if you put some numbers strategically in the book. And so, like, for me, what the, the next iteration, the next book, children's book that I do, I want to focus a lot on that as well and put some more stuff in there. But the the, the mere fact that, the Bitcoin symbol is in a book, a children's book that has happy things happening within the book, brings happiness to the little child. And so they start learning about money, Bitcoin, in a very happy manner versus most of the general populace. They are fearful of money and they don't know what money is. And it's because of their ignorance of money that they're fearful and until they learn about it. And then they realize that it's simple but it's not, and you just need to learn about it and not be fearful of it. And that's why I think it's important that children are taught by their parents about Bitcoin as soon as possible. <laughs> yes, I, I couldn't agree agree more with you. And yeah, just to, to clarify to the, the audience, uh, me and Jeremy, we collaborated on a children's book. So it's not necessarily to teach children about Bitcoin because it, we don't go into the the mechanics on how Bitcoin works and that kind of stuff. But basically it was just a way of portraying the situation where there is something in the world that is not quite right and that is affecting people negatively. And then there is this new thing called Bitcoin that protects you from this and allows families to be happier, basically. Oh yes, perfect. We got the yeah. I posted yes. I posted all of the children's books that I'm aware of. If you guys know of any other children's books that are not up there, as I said before, I'm I want to promote all Bitcoin only companies, educators. There's no point for us to not do that. I mean, the the more people that you can promote that are Bitcoin only educators, that's awesome. So in the picture I put in the nest. You can see all six books that I'm aware of, and the book that I collaborated with Tomas on is the one in the middle, Super Satoshi, and 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 Tomas did all the artwork, and I wrote the content, and then my team helped me with making it to be rhymy and fun. But all those books, buy every single one and read it to your kids. I this is my first book ever. I think this is the first book of Tomas's as well as an illustrator and <laughs> to show you how 
how young and dumb and uh, I was or how ignorant I was as a as a writer is is I every book you ever read you normally put who the illustrator is and who the author is and guess what I forgot to do both of that <laughs> so the next book I'll definitely have to give uh credit where credit's due but I, I'm now I just have to basically say who who was the illustrator and that but anyways all those books are great they teach about bitcoin in different levels as far as uh, you can have people little kids read them from ages one till 10 um, or more and uh, all of the people that did these this proof of work is awesome so it's kind of interesting to think about it because if there are indeed only six books and like i said please tell me if there's more because i want to buy them (laughs) that's not many books there's billions of people around the world actually i just thought of another book it's actually written by a gentleman from cameroon and i don't have his book that's why i didn't take a picture of it and put it next to these books but this gentleman from Cameroon I met, the book is Bitcoin Comics, I think. I'm going to have to look up the name. I'll share it as soon as I get it. But that's another book that, that I'll have to get into my bookshelf. So I'm going to look it up really quick and then put it up there so you know. It looks like Man- Manu has his ha- hand up. What's up, Manu? Hi. Sorry, I, I need to. Do you listen to me okay now? Yeah, I can okay, hear you. Great. Yes, I, I just saw these uh, books and I, I immediately thought about the, a project that has the Argentine Bitcoin NGO that is teaching to young young children. It's secondary schools, but also I know that there is a on primary schools. So my question is, are those books all in English or is there any of those are in Spanish? Because there is no, I, I know of, of there is some Bitcoiners in Uruguay that are planning to do books in Spanish for young children, but up to my knowledge, I don't know any any books in Spanish for young kids. Yeah, and that, and that's that needs to change because that's very important that we get these books translated into as many languages as possible. But to answer your question, Manu, none of those books, to my knowledge, are in Spanish yet. I. Th- I mean, I think the easiest way to make them Spanish is to digitize them, make them digital. And then if they could just be translated by Google, that'd be great or some translator. But no, to answer your question, unfortunately, that I'm not aware of them in different languages. And the Super Satoshi is an open source book. Is it, uh, you, you can reprint it or you, you are the author, no, with, with Tomas or I understood wrong. Yeah, I'm the author. Tomas did the artwork. Okay. And I haven't, I mean, I don't, I didn't make it open source, but now that you say it, I'm not opposed to it. I mean, I, I think it should be, I think it should be open source. I mean, like in the grand scheme of things, if the intent is to educate as many people as possible. So if making it open source, like officially, whatever that means, necessitated, then I can do that. I, I don't know if you know Vlad, uh, Vlad Costea. He's a- from Romania, he's a very well-known, but I don't know if he's so very well-known, but he he, he writes a, a magazine. It's a very, very interesting magazine, very good. I met Vlad in person, and he made an open source Bitcoin magazine. It's, it's very interesting. So he's publishing. Anyone can republish it in, in several languages. So, so just for you, I, I will share afterwards about Vlad Project, which is in GitHub. So it's similar to, you know, 
the books from Andreas. Uh, it's the same. Anyone can can copy uh, and it and it gets a lot of attention. So maybe if it if it's for use for non-profit organization, for example, the Bitcoin NGO for uh, teaching children, maybe you you can make it. Uh, open source and it's also a good way for other people to buy it because for example i bought some books from andreas just uh, as a way to say thank you while i could have get it for free but it it was a way for thanking andreas for sharing all his knowledge Uh, i think it's a good strategy to make all this knowledge available for for all normally you will get more than than what, what you give yeah, I agree that there's an author, Kisa Luna, that authored the book, The Simplest Bitcoin Book Ever. I think that's what it's called. And it's the same thing. She, you can purchase it, but you don't have to purchase it. You can get it for free, the PDF online. And more often than not, people probably send her sats. At least I have, and I've sent other people that charge for stuff sats just because the proof of work has been shown. So, yeah, I'll, um, I'm, Definitely going to do that now that you say it. It makes most sense. And if I can get all the other children's books to do that, great. Because the more education for children, the better. And as soon as you make it open source, then you have the ability for people just to copy it, translate it, and truly um, orange pill as many children as, as possible. So that that's good. <laughs> you just put a fire under under me, man. I, I'm going to get on that as soon as possible. Great. Let, let me know. If you plan to translate it to Spanish, I don't know if uh, if you speak Spanish. Of course, uh, Thomas do speak also, but we can help on that. And and we can use it in Argentina definitely. In there is a, a project which is Escuelas and Bitcoin where we teach Bitcoin to young children. So there is already some some use case, real use case to, to use these books. Nice. Yeah, I appreciate the offer and I'll definitely reach out and I think it'd be a great collaboration. Right. Yes, and Jeremy, if you if you need help with the Spanish translation, just uh, let me know. I'll be more than happy to help. Plus the uh, children's books tend not to be too heavy on the on the writing side, so that make makes them very very easy to translate. Yeah. I think that probably the best way to go about doing what we're talking about is to create the digital copy of the book, open source it, and then translate it first and foremost into Spanish because I think Spanish and English are the most prominently spoken languages in the world. And it's, I mean, that mere fact that you have a digital copy of a children's book that's in Spanish and English, immediately that means that all over the world people can read it and not have to pay. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on that. Thank you, Manu, for. I mean, it's hidden in plain sight. I should have thought about this, but. I'm thankful that you, you told me that. Yeah, this is what, what happens when you start talking in the Bitcoin space. One idea leads to another one and somebody else jumps in and adds their two cents and the whole project yeah. moves forward. <laughs> yeah. Also, I just I just want to say as a, as a shameless plug that I am looking at the Satoshi's Journal website right now. And if you go in now, it says in the must-read section, the first article is an article that I wrote, so I just want to take some credit there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and th- thanking, thanking you for being the place where I published my first articles before 
when I when I was first uh, starting, Satoshi Journal gave me that that space, and I, I appreciate it. And I encourage everyone to take the opportunity of having their stuff published there, and help support another Bitcoin initiative that is designed to help people understand these uh, very very incredible, strange, and wonderful asset that humanity now has. Jeremy, I, I wanted to ask you, because we're getting close to the hour mark, what is, in terms of your plans towards the future with Satoshi's channel, what are you guys working on now? The, the plans are to have at least one article or one post that's educational and informative a week and to have one educational product come out a year. And so after what happened that I spoke about earlier, I, I just needed to focus and say, all right, we need, we need a, an achievable, easy goal. And that's been the goal. And I, we've been able to re, uh, do that. So I love to write. And so I, I've been doing a lot of writing on the Satoshi Journal Twitter or X, whatever. And we have two educational products currently. We have the children's book, and then we have, if you look in the nest, a, a playing card deck, playing card deck. So like if you like to play poker or solitaire or whatever card game you like to play, we have a 52 card deck of playing cards that you can actually learn about Bitcoin while you're playing with your friends poker. So that's our second product. And so the next product, we don't know exactly what it's going to be, but we're, we're last night, my, my, my teammate and I were talking of maybe potentially a comic book or a series of comics that we put on Twitter. And so stay tuned on that. But those are the goals, one article or one educational publication on our Twitter a week and or more because uh, I like to write, and one educational product a year. And that educational product, the, the whole point of that is children and adults learn about a subject matter best when they can play a game, in my opinion. We've also talked about an iteration of Monopoly, but a Bitcoin version. That's actually the perfect opportunity for anyone that's listening because the closest rendition of learning about money was probably the game of Monopoly believe it or not. But you have to basically turn that game upside down and make the Bitcoin version. And so if, if you can basically use a family or a household name game that people can relate with, like Monopoly, but just change it to Bitcoin, then you're basically rewiring their brain to associate what they learned about money in a different way. So those would be the, the, the long-term goals there, Tomas. That is so interesting. It would be, it would be very, very fun to have the Bitcoin Monopoly version. <laughs> I, I would imagine in that, in that game, the prices of properties should be going down over time instead of up. So like, like you said, it is, it is changing the entire game. So I am very, very intrigued on how it would actually work. And I think if you manage to have it, I think uh, people would, would love it. So 
I am hoping we get to see that soon. And I agree 100% that if people can learn while they are having fun and playing games, that is by far the best way of learning something new. So before we we close, I want to ask you the question that we ask all our our guests. Um, if you were to meet Satoshi Nakamoto today, what would you ask him? I thought about this question uh, before the show, and I, I don't have. Uh, I want to ask him all kinds of questions, but one of the questions that I would ask him was how he came to the four-year cycles and all the all the numerical aspects of his protocol or hers or theirs. How did they come? I mean, if you break down the numerology or just the mathematics behind the numbers that he used in his protocol, there is a rhyme or reason, but why four-year cycles? I mean, we have our theories. Why 21 million? So my question, if it were to be the one question, would be explain to me how you came up with all these numbers and why. So that, that would be my question to him or her or they. they. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that is a very good question. There's a lot of things on how Bitcoin works that is not clear, like why four years for halving, why not five? I don't know. I heard the rumor or the theory that the four years was so that it would coincide with the U.S. elections. I'm not sure what to think about that. Do you do you have any any thoughts there? I've heard the same theory, and I, I think it's very viable to think that that may be the, the reason. And it would make sense because, I mean, <laughs> part of the beauty of his there's so many beautiful aspects of the protocol, but one of the biggest beauties of it is just that four year having the difficulty adjustment every two weeks and all the other aspects. But I think it would be very smart for him or her or they to have done a four year cycle that coincides with the presidential elections because everyone in the world is focused on the United States whenever they're having their elections. So it just brings more focus to Bitcoin and, and <laughs> it's going to be crazy this year because It seems to me like right before the elections this year, they happen next year in November, after the halving, everything's gonna, co everything's gonna, like coincide with each other, and there's gonna be so much going into the halving that you're gonna be talking about politics, you're gonna be talking about ETFs. We're already doing that. You're gonna be talking about all these things that just so happen to compile or pile onto the halving. So maybe that's unbeknownst to Satoshi Nakamoto was either part of the reason or it just happened to be that way because he couldn't know that an ETF was going to be passed around the time of the having. <laughs> so, so it just happened and it's, it's crazy. Yes. Yes. Quite, quite true. It, it always reminds me of that phrase. What, what is it? There's no more powerful thing than an, an idea whose time has come. And it, it seems that a lot of things are getting aligned. And I think we're, we're bound to have a couple of very interesting years ahead of us. And it would be a lot of fun to see how things um, turn out. Anyway, Jeremy, I, I want to say thank you for your time. 
Thank you for all what you're doing in the Bitcoin space. I I hope we get to collaborate on more things together. I have a few things that I'm working on my own that once I have them a little bit more done, I would like to show them to you. And maybe hopefully we can get to to do more things like this. I encourage everyone that is either live now or listening to the recording afterwards to follow Jeremy and the Satoshi's journal team. And yeah, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with before we close? I would just say do whatever's in your strength, whether you like to write, whether you like to talk, whether you like to do videos, uh, podcasts, whatever is your strength. Don't underestimate what you can do with that from a Bitcoin education standpoint. Don't let anything, don't think that you can't do it. Just do it, especially if you love to do it, but find your strength and just do it. And, and if you can educate in Bitcoin in whatever form or fashion with that strength, all the more power to you. And don't underestimate what you can do, because even just simply talking to a person on the street about Bitcoin or sending in Bitcoin or, or talking to your coworker, that is education right there. So wearing Bitcoin apparel, if you have a Bitcoin hat, wear it every day. If you have a shirt, wear it every day, and it will prompt people to ask you questions. So just orange pill in any form or fashion, but especially in relative to your strengths. And, and the more people that can do that, the better. Thanks for having me, Tomas. I appreciate it, man. No worries, no worries. Thank you, Jeremy. That was great advice. I will just add to what you just said. My favorite phrase in the entire world that is what drives me always. And it is what allowed me to create and find opportunities in the Bitcoin space. And so I just say to everyone, start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can, and just repeat. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Yeah. I love that so much. I'm going to have to use that more. I'm going to steal that, and I'm going to use it all the time now. Thanks. Yes, no worries. It's all yours. It's uh, open source philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. And we do these spaces every week at this time, and this week... It's a special week, so tomorrow we're going to have another Spaces talking with the BTC Startup Labs and the Bitcoin Olympics. So that should be that should be fun. Anyway, thank you all, and I hope you join us on the next one. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.